0: Let us pray. Lord God, as we come now to open your word, to search the scriptures, may we see clearly how you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for a chosen people, to die for your folk, to die, O Lord, for a particular people. And, O Lord, we thank You that by Your Spirit and and mercy, we are a part, many of us are a part of Your people. And, Father, if there are any here today that are not, we ask that in Your mercy, You would bring them to faith. O Lord, bless here this morning the reading, hearing, and preaching of Your Word for the sake of Christ. We pray in His name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. As you're turning there, just a reminder, we're going to be going to a lot of different passages again this morning. We'll begin here in Galatians 1. I'll read many passages for you, but there are also some others that we'll go to This morning as we are here to consider the the fifth point of salvation, limited atonement. And so this morning, Galatians 1, we'll begin at verse 3 and we're going to read through verse 5. But verse 4 is that key text for us here this morning. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades away but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Again, we are right in the midst of a five-week series on the five points of salvation, or what we know as the five points of Calvinism. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and, and perseverance of the saints. Last week, we looked at unconditional election. We saw how in both testaments we see God has an elect people. How God elected his people from before the foundation of the world how God elected them not just to the possibility of salvation but unto salvation. We look at God's sovereign or God's sovereign mercy in election and God's election and his absolute Sovereignty, and so this morning we continue on and we look at the third point of salvation. We know it as limited atonement. Some speak of it as particular redemption. Now, as we saw last week, election itself saved no one. It only marked out particular individuals, particular sinners, for salvation—those who have been chosen by the Father given to the Son had to be redeemed if they were to be saved and so in order to secure that redemption we know Jesus Christ came into the world and took upon himself a human nature why so that he might identify with us so that he would act as our legal substitute and so Christ Acting on behalf of his people, perfectly kept the law of God in every way, in thought, in word, and in deed. He worked out a perfect righteousness which has been imputed or credited to them the moment they are brought to faith in the Lord. What we're going to see this morning is this Christ's redeeming work was definite in design, and in accomplishment. It was intended to render full and complete satisfaction for the elect, for God's people. And it actually secured salvation for them. It secured salvation for the elect of God. That salvation which Christ has secured For his people. It includes everything that is needed, everything involved in bringing his people into a right relationship with God, including the gifts of faith and repentance. And what we'll see here this morning is that all for whom Christ sacrificed himself will be saved infallibly. Now, all who are Calvinists agree. That Christ's obedience and suffering were of infinite value, and that if God had so willed for every man to be saved, nothing more would have to have been done. And Christ lived a perfect life. There the was no more righteousness he could, he could give to the Father than what he gave. The, the sufferings of our Lord on the cross was complete. That if God had chosen everyone, then that death would have been the same. Now, we know from Scripture that not all men will be saved by the redeeming work of Christ. And so, even though we might not like the term limited atonement, we must admit that there is a limitation to it. Either the atonement was limited in its design to secure salvation for certain sinners, but not for others. Or either it was limited in that it was not intended to secure salvation for anyone. But either way, it is limited. It is either limited in design or effectiveness. If it's limited in in design, it was not intended for all men. If it was limited in its effectiveness, then guess what? It did not secure salvation for anyone. Lorraine Bettner in his book on, on predestination put it this way, for the Calvinist, the atonement is like a narrow bridge which goes all the way across the stream. For the Arminian, it is like a great wide bridge that only goes halfway across and He's right. If you want to cross a raging river, you don't want the bridge to end halfway across that river. And so there are three things I want us to look at. Again, we're going to be going through many portions of Scripture. I'll be reading many Scriptures. I encourage you to write down the the text uh, for further study this afternoon. But the first thing I want us to see is this, that Christ accomplished the full salvation of His people. Did you notice what we read in Galatians 1 verse 4? That key verse who gave, Jesus gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Who is the hour and us? Well, it is to the churches of Galatia. It is to all believers in Christ. What Paul is saying is this, that Jesus gave Himself for the sins of His people. He has delivered us He has washed us. We are cleansed uh, from this present evil age. And did you notice? It is according to the will of God the Father. According to the predestination of God the Father. When the angel came to Joseph, that angel said to him, She will bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. In Titus 2 and verse 14, we read that Jesus gave Himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity, to purify for Himself a people of His own who are zealous for good deeds. And in 1 Peter 3.18, we read for Christ also died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You see what the the Scriptures teach us, that, that Christ came not to enable men to save themselves, but to save sinners. Jesus didn't come to give you the possibility to save yourself. He came to save you If you are found in Christ. Now that's a real problem for us isn't it? Because we want the glory for ourselves. We want to say that we have followed Jesus. It was our own doing. And yet we know that even the gifts of faith and repentance. Have been given to us by God. So that we might cry out unto the Lord. But Jesus in his redemption. Accomplished our full Salvation. The scriptures also declare that as a result of what that Christ died and suffered that his people are reconciled to God, justified, given the holy spirit who regenerates and sanctifies them. Christ by his redeeming work secured reconciliation for his people. Paul says this in Romans 5 and verse 10, For a while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death, death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? He says in Colossians 1, 21 and 22, And you who once were estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before Him. You see, as Jesus died on the cross, He he died on the cross so that those who come to Him in faith, all for whom He died, would be saved to completely. Nothing left. Christ secured the the righteousness and pardon needed by His people for their justification. We know that the elect are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as what? An expiation by His blood to be received by faith. Christ also secured the gift of the Spirit which includes the regeneration and sanctification of all But He came to die for. Titus 2.14 Christ who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity to purify for Himself a people of His own who are zealous for good deeds. And so the first thing I want us to see is the fact that Christ accomplished the salvation not for the whole world but for a definite number. A particular number. Now, we don't know that number, do we? We know this. It's not for 144,000. It is a great multitude that no man can number. Is that not what God promised Abram? That his descendants would be as the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky that cannot be numbered. It is for those elect that Christ came and accomplished the full salvation for all Whom He died for. But the second thing I want us to see and understand is this. That Christ fulfilled the terms of the covenant of grace. To save His people. Now we know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They they entered into what we call a covenant of redemption with one another. To to put into motion the, the covenant of grace. That we... Hear about and see for the first time in Genesis 3. And then we see the, the slow expansion of that covenant throughout the Old Testament. We see the, the New Covenant mentioned in Jeremiah 31. We hear of that New Covenant as Jesus gave us the, the Lord's Supper, that the, the wine represents the blood of the New Covenant. We see Jesus fulfilling all that is necessary in His life, death, and resurrection. And we know this, that Jesus was sent into the world by the Father, not to save the whole world, but to save the people whom the Father had given to Him. Turn over to the Gospel of John. Now we'll be beginning this Gospel in a few weeks on Sunday evenings. But John chapter 6, and we'll pick up At verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. You see, those who are, are given to Christ by the Father, they will come to Him. They see and believe in Him. And not one of them, says Jesus here, not one of them will be lost. Is that not good news? There is not one man, woman, or child from Jesus Christ has died on the cross that will be lost. Turn over to John chapter 10. Here we find Jesus telling us He is the Good Shepherd. And as the Good Shepherd, who does He lay down His life for? He lays down His life not for the goats, but for the sheep. Verse 11, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. Then skip down to verse 14. I have received from my Father. And then verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense if you're the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow them. I and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus died for His sheep. All who are His sheep, they will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. They will be brought into His fold, but the goats will not. Why? Because Jesus did not die for them. But then turn to John chapter 17 because we see how Jesus has done all to save his people in his high priestly prayer as he prayed for his disciples. John 17, beginning at verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that the Son may glorify You, since You have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. I have glorified You on earth, having accomplished the work that You gave Me to do, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know the truth And then verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. And then pick up at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them Your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which You have loved Me may be in them and I in them. Do you hear who Jesus prayed for? His people. As He is approaching the cross, as He is approaching that death to save His people from their sins, He prays for His people throughout the ages for the immediate disciples as they will be scattered. But He's praying for His own. He's praying for those for whom He will die. And so that brings us to the last point, which is a very important question that we must answer. Did Christ die for all men? Did He die for all men on the cross? We admit that there are two classes of texts that speak of, of Christ's saving work in general terms. We find some that speak of Him dying for the world, some that speak of Him dying for all. Now, one reason for the use of these expressions was to correct a false notion. And that false notion was this, that salvation was for the Jews only. Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, was He not? He came to His own, but His own did not receive Him, John tells us. But He came for them. And so, and so we understand That such phrases as the world, all men, all nations, every creature were used by the New Testament writers to correct this mistake. To show us that the the things were changing. Now at one time salvation was of the Jews. We think of the old covenant. God uh, spoke to the Jews. He redeemed His, His people uh, out of Egypt. He made them into a great nation. But then we see that same nation rebelling against their God, rebelling against their Redeemer. And, and he, he becomes so angry that He sends them into captivity. Preparing them for the Messiah. The Messiah comes and they reject Him by and large. And and then we understand that Gentiles are being brought into the kingdom. And what do we see in the book of Revelation? We see people from every nation, tongue, and tribe who are a part of the elect of God for whom Christ died, worshiping Him. And so we admit, there are some passages that speak of all world, but there are also passages which speak of the saving work of Christ in definite terms. In definite terms, such as Acts 20 and verse 28. You know what Paul is doing there. He's talking to the elders of Ephesus at Miletus. And he said this to them, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you guardians to feed the church of the Lord which He has obtained for Himself With His own blood. What did Jesus obtain with His blood? The church. We know in Ephesians that Paul tells us it's for the church that Christ died and shed His blood. Hebrews 9 and verse 28, we hear these words, Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of man, And then Hebrews 9, 15, Therefore He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise in eternal inheritance since the death has occurred, which redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. Who may be redeemed? Those who are called. Who receives that promise inheritance? Those who are called. Those for whom Christ has died. You see, if Christ died for all men, all men would be saved. Because the death of Christ was that effectual. Whomever Christ has died for will be saved. They will be redeemed completely. As we have heard and seen this morning, not one will be lost. And so what application can we make? Well, first we need to understand that Christ died for His people. He died for those whom the Father gave He died for the elects he died for those that were unconditionally elected before the foundation of the world now again the, the natural man says well that's not fair i have no hope of salvation and, and he's right to a degree if god is not elected him he has no hope but we do not know whom god has elected we do not know when we go and proclaim the gospel who will be saved and, and who may be further condemned. But we know this, that Christ's death was for the elect made effectual and is made effectual by the Spirit when the Spirit takes the Gospel message and applies it to the heart of a sinner and brings them to faith in Christ. Now again, if God had chosen to save all men, Christ's death was sufficient for that. His life, was sufficient for that. His resurrection was sufficient for that. But we know the Bible does not teach universalism. It does not teach that every man, woman, and child who has ever lived will be saved by the Lord. It does not teach universal salvation. But it teaches us that all whom Christ died will be saved. second, for all of those that Christ died, He has fulfilled the terms of the covenant of grace for us. In Christ we are called. You remember the time that you were called effectually by the Holy Spirit to come to Jesus and and you knew then, yes, I'm a part of the elect of God and, and the Spirit drew you to Christ. You came, you could do nothing else. In Christ we are justified, we are declared righteous in the sight of God. In Christ we have been set apart as holy and we are being conformed more to the image of Christ in our sanctification. In Christ we are glorified, even though we await our glorification. And what Christ has fulfilled on our behalf cannot be taken away from us. And sometimes we think our own sin takes it away. Oh no, our sin is covered. Not even Satan himself can come and take away that which Christ has procured for his people. Third, Christ died so that his people would be saved from their sins. Christ died give salvation to those whom the Father had given to Him. He didn't die to give you the possibility of salvation. He died to achieve that salvation. And He did so in full. There's nothing left for us to do. There's no purgatory to go and, and just hope that somebody will pray us out who's more holy than we are. There's no suffering of the wrath of God for one moment for the people for whom Christ has died. No, there's nothing left to be done. It is finished. We heard those words from the cross by the Lord Himself. It is finished. What? The complete salvation of God's people is finished. What is happening now is the application of that salvation to the elect. And then finally... Has the death of Christ been made effectual to you and for you? How do you know? Well, have you ever turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus? You see, that's the the gospel call. Isn't that not what, not only John the Baptist, but Jesus himself came preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is the same message that we preached this morning. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Messiah has come and He has come to to purchase salvation full and free for His people. And and to apply that by His Spirit to those who are called to the Son. And so if you are being called by the Spirit. If God, by His Spirit, is changing your heart this morning, then you come to Jesus. You turn from your sin. You fall down at the feet of Christ. And you say, Lord Jesus, save me a sinner. And if the Spirit is doing that in you, let me tell you that it is, it is with great confidence that I can say, if the Spirit is now drawing you to Jesus, then you are part of the elect of God. And God by His Spirit is drawing you to the side. And so come, and you will come. You will come confessing your sin. You will come crying out unto the Lord Jesus to save you from your sins. And as you do that, then you will know that the death of Christ was for you. And for all whom the Father had given to Him. And not one, Not one will be lost. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank You this morning that You sent Your Son to die for Your people to die for those that You chose from before the foundation of the world. And Father, we thank You that many of us who are here this morning, that we are part of Your family because of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, I pray now for one who may not be sure, but yet You might be dealing with them. Oh Lord, by Your Spirit, call them from their wickedness and their sin and call them unto the Lord. Change their heart. Give them the very gifts of faith and repentance whereby they can cry out unto Jesus and be saved. And Father, we thank You that as You do such a work in us, we know that Jesus died for us. And that He was wounded for our transgressions. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.